Diamond Seek deals with material that may not be suitable for listeners under the age of 13, so please use discretion. Any and all trigger warnings will be listed in the show's description. And with that, let's begin today's episode. Dear Diary, Mommy has been so sad lately, and Daddy hasn't been home no more. I don't like to see Mommy cry, but that changes today. You see, Mommy says we're going on an adventure to the ocean blue. She says Daddy can't come, but my little sister can. Today will be a happy day. If I do what Mommy says, all I gotta do is hold her hand tight. And then I'll get to sit on the ocean floor. How awesome is that? Oh well, Mommy is calling my name. Time to go on my greatest adventure now. Today's episode of Crime and Scene. A little bit of crime, a little bit of scary. I'm your host. This is yet another Mother's Day episode. I realize it is June, but life happens sometimes. Now, not every mom who murders will have justice served upon them. Many go on to commit suicide. Today, we'll be discussing the topic of Oyako Sinju, otherwise known as parent-child suicide but in particular, ones that involve mothers. I'm going to preface this by saying I am not a native Japanese speaker, so please excuse if I mispronounce a word or two. I'm trying. In a 2017 survey, Japan ranked the one-seventh highest for suicide rates. In October, the rate of suicide was 2,153 people per not year, but month. The leading cause of death in people from ages 10 to 39 in Japan, is unfortunately suicide. For Japan stresses the importance of education, and children are expected to score high and get the best jobs. They're expected to take care of their family, the older they get. Suicide among families is ever-growing increasing at a rate higher than men. Typically, mother-child suicides involve young children, and the mother killing a child, and then herself. On January 29th, 1985, 32-year-old Fumiko Kumira, holding the hands of her four-year-old son and holding her six-month-old walk straight into the Pacific Ocean until the water was over their heads. After 15 minutes, the three of them were in fact rescued by people walking by, but the four-year-old Kazutaka did not survive, and he died the same day. A week later, baby Yuki also died. She was only six six months old. Fumiko survived the attempt, much to her surprise and unhappiness. In fact, she was quite bitter about it. Now, you may be thinking that this event occurred in Japan, hence all the Japanese statistics, but no, this happened in California. Now, Fumiko left Japan after being unable to attend the National Music University. She felt there wasn't much left for her. She didn't have strong family ties, no work prospects. And she wasn't scoring very high in school. So at 20 years old, 
she left for California, and a few years later, she would go on to marry her first husband. But, alas, this marriage did not last. So after a few years, she married her second husband, Itzaroko, in 1979. By 1980, she'd had her son, Kazutaka, and then four years later, she had her daughter, Yuki. Fumiko was known to be very protective of her children and for being a homebody. She never let her children wear dirty clothes and was always perceptive of when the kids were sick. She was a helicopter mom, as we would say nowadays. She would only socialize with those living in her building and was known as being gentle and caring to kids and her husband. Meanwhile, her husband was rarely seen around the building. In fact, one of the reasons he was not around was because he was having a three-year-long affair with another Japanese woman. What a guy. Ten days prior to the suicide, Kimura found out that her husband had an affair. For not the first, but the second time. This would mean she would have two failed marriages under her belt. She only discovered the second affair because the mistress actually called her and told her she was having an affair and offered to commit suicide to restore the honor back to Fumiko. The husband also offered to commit suicide, but Fumiko assured them no, and she acted like she was calm, but this was false. Gemara actually began to lose weight, and she felt ashamed, because she felt it was her fault that her husband had an affair not once, but twice. She was instantly filled with shame. She felt she could not return back to her family in Japan because the shame of her failed marriages would be placed on her and it would be too great for her to bear. She didn't want to kill herself and leave her kids without a mother. So she decided the only option for her was parent-child suicide. That would be the only way the shame would leave the family and Kimura would be able to stay with her children forever. Later, Kimura was arrested for her crime, and she admitted what she had done, although she did not realize that she would be punished. But she was. She was convicted of voluntary manslaughter. She was shocked. And the sentence led to one year in prison. The reason Kimura was shocked was because in Japan, although even aiding in a suicide can be punishable, parent-child suicide is still considered an action that can garner sympathy. Many mothers in Japan believe that their children are seen as parts of themselves and do not believe that killing a part of yourself is punishable because yourself belongs to you. Many mothers also feel that their children are the only reason for living. This is literally their identity, so they worry about, ch about their children's lives with the high pressure of perfection in Japan. Once a woman becomes a mother, they are to devote themselves fully. They put their own identities aside as they need to be perfect mothers and perfect wives. Also in Japan, joint suicide is seen as a way that people can always be together forever. Several members in the community were in outrage that cultural significance was not taken into consideration during the trial. But the powers that be felt that she had lived in the United States long enough to understand the customs. All over the United States and Japan, there were supporters for Kimura. 
The supporters felt she was no threat to anyone but herself and did not deserve the death penalty. Although not everyone felt this way, many felt that what she did was deplorable and should be persecuted to the full extent of the law, especially after it was released that the children were covered in bruises showing they resisted the drowning. The possibility of insanity was also brought to the table as a defense for what rational human being would want to kill their own children. What did come to light was that Kimura had been living in a mainly Japanese community in California. She barely spoke English. She was mainly isolated and not familiar with Western ideas and traditions. She kept up with the traditions from the Japan that she remembered and not the current Japan. Meanwhile, in Japan, there was a change coming and Western influence was sneaking its way into everyday life. The courts decided they could not allow cultural influence to be at play in her punishment, for in the U.S., people are seen as separate, and children cannot be considered extensions of a mother. In the end, her defense claimed that she was temporarily insane and snap due to her current life circumstances. Thus, cultural aspect could not be talked about. When it probably should have, since Kimura felt the suicide was her only option to get rid of the shame that she felt from her culture, but would but this would have left Kimura up to the possibility of being charged with first-degree murder because that would prove that she was choosing to kill and was rational at the time. In my opinion, though, cultural norms and family values can really cloud your judgment and can put you in a real state of fear over what's going to happen and rejection of your family is really a strong fear that many people feel. This sparked a media frenzy and people were on both sides of the fence about whether cultural influence should be a factor. Now, you may be wondering about Kimura's husband during all this because after all, his wife did kill his beloved children. Kimura's husband went on to leave his mistress and in fact regularly visited his wife in jail. He forgave her and was quoted as saying he was envious of the strong bond she had with her children. Kimura was reported as saying that the rescuers must have been Caucasian because a Japanese person would have allowed them to all die together and not allow Kimura to suffer without her children. And on, on that note, we will end today's episode. Thanks for watching Crime and Seek. Nah, just kidding. There's more. And now it's time to flip the script. And we're going to be talking about mothers who kill their children and then commit suicide, not due to cultural shame, but because of a condition that at least here in the U.S. is not as widely acknowledged as it should be and is used sometimes in comedic purposes, which really isn't fair to the women. It's a condition that many women have after giving birth, but there's so much shame associated with admitting you have it and there shouldn't be. And that is postpartum depression. We tend to play it off. Oh, the mother has the baby blues. Oh, she's just sad. It just happens. Although there's a big difference between being a tired mom and having postpartum. To give a different perspective, around 1.3 million women per year suffer from this. That is less, there is less women diagnosed with breast cancer per year than postpartum depression. Now, what is it, you ask? Anxiety, guilt, frequent crying, fatigue, thoughts of harming your baby, thoughts of suicide, depression, and loss of pleasure in doing things throughout the day. 
And what causes it, you ask? Hormone levels changing after having a baby. Yeah. Many women don't even realize what they are feeling isn't normal. No one talks about it. As you can, and sometimes you only have symptoms for less than two weeks. But there are many who go on to have this condition for much longer, and it can be treated with medicine and psychotherapy. But half the battle is either you admitting that you have it or someone speaking up for you to get you the help that you need. Sadly, Desiree Bristerchill did not get the help that she needed. She was found dead, shot in her forehead at 10 a.m. on November 29th. And in the backseat of her car, her toddler was found upside down in a five-gallon bucket of water. <clears throat> it was later determined that the gunshot was self-inflicted, and baby Mia was only 16 months old when she was killed by her mother. There was a lot of confusion from those around Desiree because she seemed to be so happy after the birth of little Mia. Little did people know that she was suffering from postpartum and didn't realize that she could receive help from local support groups as well as her doctors. On May, uh, in May 2013, another mother-child suicide occurred involving a five-month-old. The mother, Kimberlyn, told her boyfriend she was going to shower and brought her baby into the bathroom with her. The boyfriend began to worry after 30 minutes as blood was seen under the door when he looked. He had to break open the door for Kimberlyn had locked it and would not respond. That he was able to open the door just enough to see that his baby son Isaac was covered in blood. He immediately called 911. By the time they got there, she and her child were both on the bathroom floor covered in blood. Baby Isaac's throat was slashed and she had been and he had been stabbed by his mother repeatedly. They did not think Kimberlyn would live, but she in fact did. She had repeatedly stabbed herself and tried to commit suicide. She was found guilty of being mentally ill and was given 38 years in prison. Her reason for being mentally ill was postpartum psychosis. Now, postpartum psychosis affects one in 500 moms. That's a lot of people that could have this. And includes symptoms such as delusions, hallucinations, manic and low moods, loss of inhibitions, feeling fearful, restlessness, and acting out of character. Mothers may exhibit difficulty bonding with their baby, if you see a mother exhibiting these, please get the medical help. They may not be capable of getting the help for themselves. This is considered a medical emergency. If anyone you know or even yourself is experiencing what you believe to be postpartum or postpartum psychosis, please call your doctor immediately. Now, I hope this episode was informative for all of you. And please hug those babies and give them as many kisses as you can. For those watching on the good old YouTube Please comment, like, and subscribe. For those listening on a podcast forum, please feel free to leave an honest review. If you have questions, hit up Crime and Seek on Instagram. And you can direct message me there. That is Crime and Seek, spelled with the word and, no ampersand. The website is also up at crimeseekpodcast.com or crimeseekpodcast at, shoot, what is it called? at WordPress. Thank you. <laughs> so crime and crime seek podcast at WordPress. You can also message me on Twitter and I look forward to hearing from you. I look for, and I look forward to hearing from you all. And until next time, my dears, thanks for turning into crime and seek. 
a little bit of crown, a little bit of scary. Bye-bye. <laughs>